on this episode of AV Week, ISA has announced it's going ahead in June, what that means for the industry. UC Space gets more consumer-grade products and repurposing COVID AV. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 498, recorded Friday, March 5th, 2021. AV Hustle. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, Sound Extraordinary. And by Middle Atlantic, what great systems are built on. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week is an all-star cast, and I am thankful for each and every one of them. First and foremost, Rachel Harris uh, is an end user. We don't say where she works, but she is fantastic. How are you, ma'am? I'm muted. I'm great. Thank you so much. I wasn't going to say it. You said it. You you punked yourself out. (laughs) I did it. But I'm happy to be here. It's good to see you and Thank you. everyone. Yes, indeed. Also with us uh, is an old friend of mine, Mr. Joe Andrulis, who now works for Biamp. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much, Tim. Love to be here. Absolutely. Uh, and a gentleman who gets me into more trouble than I can shake a stick at is Mr. Chris Netto. How are you, sir? I'm super. Thanks for asking. Yes, you are super. I, I, I want to point something out really quick. I, I didn't even plan on saying this, but I'm, I'm going to. Um, we keep track of our more popular blogs and articles and stuff like that, just like every other website and, and stuff. The most popular blog of the last like six months is me telling my weight loss story. And freaking Neto is the responsible party for that. So thank you, I guess. It, somebody had to chase you while you were doing those runs, man. Just consider me like that angry dog that's chasing you, you know, and you, you just, you just ran. And I just want to ask another question and what are you doing? And why are you eating that? And it's stuff like that. I mean, this is what I do. I just, just, I, I just pester you, dude. There's those cartoons with the big dog and the little dog. That's the, the, the one that oh, are you the little, you're the little dog now. Absolutely. The, I'm the okay. little dog, dude. Have All you right. seen how tall I am? I'm not that big of a dude. We have, we have pictures, we have pictures of, we, we actually, we have pictures bigger. So we need to take another picture sometime soon. That'd be awesome. Um, Thank you. It, it probably won't be at ISC though this year. Uh, that's this, our first story. Uh, you like that segue? Mm-hmm. Um, from our friends over at AV, actually AV Network, um, SCN and um, um, AV Magazine, both uh, go to both of these stories, please. ISC technically um, announced on Monday of this week that they are go- pushing forward for an in-person event. I will point out that this is the 5th of March and there's a reason I'm pointing this out and you'll understand as we further on with this story. Uh, Mike Blackman, managing director, uh, says that he is giving uh, the exhibitors a choice on whether or not to uh, show. Uh, now, since that has um, that story has come out on Monday, a number of um, exhibitors have announced that they are pulling out. Some of them publicly, some not. So I am not going to mention the ones that have not publicly announced, but we are aware of them. Um, one that he recently did publicly announce, and that is Sharp NEC. Uh, Mitchell will put a, a link to that that statement on uh, on this episode's page. Um, Chris, I'm going to start with you on this, and and you you work for a, a distributor, right? Um, Chris also has family in in Europe, mm-hmm. so you know I I personally ISC is my favorite show. Understand that going in, guys. 
ISE is bottom line, my favorite show. Uh, I love the international part. I love the resi and the commercial part. It is the, my favorite show to, to attend. Uh, it's ginormous. It's a bunch of fun. I, I hope it does go, you go. I, I don't know that it's going to though, with, with what we're seeing. Um, Chris, as you're looking at this and looking at the state of, of, you know, health in the world and, and, you know, uh, AV, what is it, where does it put us um, in, in looking at going to a show, an international show, um, here us sitting in the States in June? Is, is that likely? It puts us in a precarious position um, simply because recent news, right? So I will speak on the US side. You're starting to hear of states that are taking the mask bans off, right? Texas, for one, has said no more masks. We're cool. Corona kind of COVID's kind of passed us here. We're, we're, we're okay. Then you have other states that are not following suit. I don't know the validity of that, but I also don't have numbers behind who and how many people have gotten vaccinated there. Um, I do know um, do, through my own personal uh, things that have gone on that if you, uh, like I live in New Jersey, if I travel outside of, uh, outside of New Jersey, I have to come back and kind of tell my employer, hey, I travel that I need to self-quarantine still. That is in fact, that is a fact right now. Uh, a lot of employers use that with an app-based kind of application. How do you feel? Have you traveled? You got to check those things off, right? That's just local. Now let's go over to the European side where, as you mentioned, I have family. I have family that live in Portugal, right? I get the, oh my God, are you guys okay? Because they see the American news and think, oh my God, we're, we, the country's falling apart. But I have to remind them that you know it's 50 states, each 50 govern themselves. Everything is kind of what it is. Uh, we'll figure it out. We got it. We're okay. At least that's how I tell my family. But then they turn around and tell me, hey, um, we can't get into Spain. Spain, we don't want to allow anybody in here. Oh, and by the way, France is shut down because your uncle that moved there, he can't come here. He's locked down because France locked down this week, their borders. So that begs the question, right? How do my friends over in the UK who are AV integrators, AV manufacturers, how are they going to get there when Part of that big transportation piece is that wonderful train that both me and you took from London over to France, right? We can't get in. People in the UK are still trying to figure out how they can leave their island. We're in weird states. So at this point, it's a, it's a tough call. And unfortunately, as much as I love shows and I need a show because after a year of being home, I'm bored of being home. There's only so many times I can redecorate my office at this point. The lighting can only go so far. I need to get out. I want to get out. I wish ISE the best of luck if they can pull it off, but I personally can't go uh, just because the conditions I'm currently under. As of today, if you were to ask me on March 5th, Chris, could you go to ISE if we gave you a ticket? I would say no. I, how am I supposed to get there? What am I supposed to do? And then how am I going to quarantine to go and quarantine to come back? Those are all challenges that I am not alone in. There's a lot of people that are going to be faced with those same challenges right now. Employees of companies who are going to be wondering how are they supposed to do two weeks before or a couple of days before, get shots, get immunization, get tested, go, come back, you know, whatever the risk is there, understanding what, you know, can they wear masks? Should they wear masks? What's the policy? And then come back and have to quarantine themselves again, because you just went to Spain, which has been the number 
you know, top five country that has not been kind of dealing with this altogether all too well, at least from what I'm hearing from my family that lives overseas. Absolutely. Right, Rachel, from, from your perspective and, and, you know, um, when you look at, at, at this show specifically, but, but other shows as well, trying to get back into it and, and, and some semblance of normalcy, you know, what does it say about the industry and, and uh, about, you know, at least trying to get, you know, trying to do this show uh, as safely as possible. That is one thing that, that Mr. Blackman has said over and over again, is they're following the rules and regulations that Barcelona and, and the country of Spain is, is putting forth. So what does that mean to, you know, to the AV industry of trying to get this show done? Yeah, I mean, I think that my reaction is I love the sentiment and I appreciate that they're willing to say, yes, we can do it, whether they can or not. Because I think it just is, it's kind of, it's a leadership in a way of just pushing things back out there. And I think it it, yes, that's it. it. It just provides some leadership in a direction everyone wants to go. It's obviously there's, there's a risk there and the risk could be in so many places. We don't know what, you know, where it's going to be something that's hard to produce or in the many ways that it's something that's hard to produce. But I think that what three months out, making the decision to just say, you know what? Yes, we're going to go down this path and we're going to produce the show. However, it turns out, um, it's very bold and I I'm excited about it. I, I appreciate it. All right, Joe, uh, I ended with you for a reason. Uh, Biamp is one of the co companies that are still going uh, yeah. I publicly um, made a commitment to that. Um, you know, when you look at this and, and, you know, Chris mentioned some, some significant challenges, but you guys do have a European team. Uh, you do have European representation over there. Um, one of my favorite Englishmen works for you uh, at, at Biamp. So, um, you know, when you guys look at this, what, what, I guess the best way to ask this is, is what is, what does success look like for you guys? You know, if this thing happens in June uh, in Barcelona, what does success look like? Because certainly the numbers will be down we, most, you know, that there, there is not, that's, I don't think that's me forecasting anything, you know, extraordinary, they, they will be down. Um, but you know, what, what does success look like for you guys when you leave? Yeah. The, you know, six, measuring success is not going to be measured in the same way it would be done normally because that's just not realistic for the reasons you bring out. Um, you know, I think part of it is what Rachel had mentioned, right? Is, is you know, sometimes you just have to step up and, you know, provide a little leadership. And, and as Chris said, we all have this burning desire to get back to some semblance of normality. And so it's going to take some leadership to start pulling us back into that world. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of uncertainty along the way, all the uncertainty that Chris had described around the countries and the policies that they're going to go and implement that might dictate who can go, no matter what we might decide, are going to be a big factor, a big, a big risk factor, to be honest. Uh, you know, Biamp's a, a very big exhibitor at these shows, and we, you know, it's a very big financial commitment on our part. So, you know, we we talk about three months being, you know, kind of far away, but when you're trying to build a booth and make all the design and other decisions, it's it's like we're right on the hair of the edge of being able to do that. So realistically, we're balancing all these factors. And um, so we are committed to go. If there's a show, Biamp will be there. Uh, we won't be there in the same way that we would normally. We just can't um, uh, produce that kind of a, of a showing with, with all of the different factors going. 
And as you point out, we will do it entirely out of our European office because we're not sure that anybody from the, the North America can really get there. Um, so what does success look like? Well, success look like it's a show. It's a show and we're back out there and by golly, we're, we've got boots on the ground, talking to other people face-to-face, -face, even if it's at a safe social distance with masks on. And it's, it's a first tiny baby step on the path towards where we all wanna be, which is the raucous, over the top shows that ISCs have always been, the shows that you love, that we all love, uh, and that we all desperately hope are in our future, uh, not too distant future. Absolutely. All right, uh, next uh, story actually comes from our website. Uh, Jabra mm -hmm. is entering in or, or furthering entering into the UC space uh, with their Evolve 230, it's a headset. Uh, but one of the things that's interesting here is, is this move. Um, and, and Rachel, I'm gonna start with you on this. Um, We've watched, um, it was it was before even Polycom and, and Plantronics came together to, to form Poly, but we've watched uh, um, some um, consumer manufacturers and, and it's not a bad word. It's just, you know, that's typically what those, those, you know, folks are, are kind of focused on, you know, and I would put Jabra in, in kind of that, that realm. Now they're these, these traditionally consumer um manufacturers are getting into the commercial space and are getting kind of using um, this opportunity uh, for, you know, not just work from home, but, but, you know, where we're trying to, you know, communicate with each other virtually and remotely using that to kind of get into the, the, the consumer space or the commercial space. When it comes to that, is, is there any like, um, Oh, hit, uh, hidden pitfalls here, leveraging a, a, a consumer product for commercial use, um, you know, from a, a company-wide standpoint, right? So, you know, Chris's company or, or Biamp, you know, leveraging, you know, all of Jabra. And that was probably a really bad example because Biamp's an audio company, but you understand the point. Uh, is, is there is there a danger here of, of you know, putting our, all our eggs in, in a consumer basket? I don't know. I don't know if there's a danger. It kind of just strikes me as something that is, so of the times that mm. it, it it's almost can't be resisted. You know, I mean, I personally don't think that in my experience, consumer models of pro gear don't usually stand up to the pro version. Uh, but I think that what Jabra is presenting with this headset, I mean, it looks good. It looks like everything I'm looking for in a headset. And I frankly want one after reading the article and going to the website. So that wasn't you know, the point. I, and, you were just supposed to read it for the story. <laughs> I, yeah. Right. I know. I, but, and it's like, I, I, how could it be anything else? Work has come home. A lot of companies are not providing people with the kind of high level comfort tools. And so being able to go directly to the consumer with a brand name that they know from their workouts at the gym seems like a very good way to sell a lot of headphones to me. Right. Uh, Mr. Angelis, you'll, you'll, you'll at least uh, um, hopefully excuse the analogy of Biamp using Jabra headsets, whether no, you do or not, I have no idea. I, um, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I wasn't offended at all. In fact, I think, uh, you know, so, you know, the comment about whether a Jabra consumer grade product is appropriate for professional environment is kind of, is kind of interesting these times because I think pretty much all of us are probably sitting at home 
and we are yet at work. And is the monitor that I'm using a professional or a consumer grade monitor? Is the camera that I'm using professional? So the lines are blurred. And uh, you know, Chris mentioned at the outset uh, that you know, will we go back to a point where that we we fully go back to the old model? And I don't know that we will. Right? I think that there's going to be a certain proportion of work habits that have been learned that are going to continue on, and some of them are probably for for the betterment of all of us. And um, probably one of the things that we would all debate is for the betterment is that work and home life have become blurred. And sometimes that's not so so good, right? Sometimes we never get off of work anymore, um, but sometimes it's better in that it's a little more convenient. So, but, but it's not surprising then that the tools have blurred and that home tools and work tools cross over comfortably. I mean, it, it's, it wasn't all that long ago if we think that, that an iPhone was considered a consumer grade product and that it was almost laughable to think about you bringing it into a corporate setting. And I remember my first iPhone and how hard it was to bring it to work because it wasn't secure and it wasn't this, and it wasn't that. And now of course that's all behind us. And there's many, many examples where that, that applies. Um, so I think the combination of the times, um, people, many consumer grade products being a lot more adventurous in the features that they add. And so people getting introduced to some new advanced features in the home that when they go to the workplace and they get this wonderful expensive pro grade version and they ask, I don't get it. Why can't I do what I can do at home? Puts pressure on the pro grade versions to adopt some of these same innovations. And so I think this is just a, a, another spin of the wheel around this cycle that we've seen before. And uh, I, I am actually excited by it. I think it's great. Mr. Nell, you have the last word on this one. Um, as you're talking into your fancy schmancy camera, because I know what you've got and fancier than mine, um, I'll, I'll I'll debate you on the microphone, but the the camera is definitely fancier than mine. So, what is it? I mean, what 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 does this look like? You know, going forward, are we are we going to see more and more consumer companies getting into you know the not just the UC space but the commercial space? I think you got both. And by the way, if Joe would like, I think I still have a BlackBerry somewhere that uh, I could sell you if you want something that's completely prograde and locked down. Um, I'm sure I can hand that over to my my 16 year old and she would laugh at what what those keys are. So yeah, that's prograde. Back then, let's talk about consumer versus whatever. Now, let me uh, be completely transparent. I uh, distribute Jabra products. Jabra is also in that uh, in the UC business prior to this, they were they acquired the Panacast camera. And a Panacast is not necessarily something that you're going to bring to your home office and have a super wide angle, you know, kind of setup if, unless that's what you're looking for. So the Panacast is obviously meant for the huddle spaces and the tight spaces and stuff like that. So they've already kind of inched into there. What you got here is you, you're finally starting to get out of, Tim, you know, I love to talk about this, man, but you're starting to get people that finally get that good enough is not just good enough. You may call this consumer because yes, you could probably find a job or product at, at a Best Buy without a doubt, but this is not built with a consumer mindset, right? You're talking about things that have now stepped up over this past year that have become important to people. Better cameras, better audio, right? Um, even their set design as how, you know, if you're going to be on camera all the time, how are you going to treat it like a background or you're just going to sit in front of your unmade bed? You know, there are virtual backgrounds. There's people investing in green screens. 
this is not exactly consumer kind of mentality anymore. So you're starting to move into two different, you know, you, you're starting to, to, to blur those lines even more. So yes, thank you for noticing that I have a fancy camera. It's not that fancy, right? But what you are getting is better quality. So kudos to, to Jabra for, for, for stepping up and providing a better headset that is affordable, right? And a lot of people do not have that choice. Uh, if you want to call something pro-grade, it came with a pro-grade sticker, uh, a price tag attached to it. And a lot of times that was always looked at as overkill, right? Uh, even when us as, as AV employees moved home and went out and became mobile, it was, you know, oh, I'd love to buy, you know, a TV for my company. But you know what? We don't sell TVs. We sell monitors. And our monitors are thousands of dollars versus what you can go buy at Best Buy. Yeah, I'm not saying you're not going to get a, a pro monitor in your in your living room, but you are now starting to see that certain things are better and have become better through time. And even some of the consumer brands are starting to bring that work mentality. And I think it's all shifted because when me and you got into the industry roughly 20 years ago, Tim, because you, you, know, you are a few months older than I am. Uh, so you, I don't know if you remember these things, but when, when me and you got into this industry, um, you know, commercial was influencing the consumer stuff, right? Imagine if we had video conferencing at home, Tim, when we got into the business, right? And now it's the flip side. Now, whatever's coming home, you, you've got apps that are influencing tech, right? Apps and applications within the tech are influencing commercial grade products from catching up. So I don't technically think that that conversation, as a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you, your conversation, stop talking about it. It's work from home is here. You're going to start seeing a lot of these blurry lines. You're going to start seeing the 180 degree cameras starting to appear at the homes. And you're actually going to possibly even see it ready, ready, because this has not yet been accepted by pro AV, but you're actually going to start seeing commercial kind of products entering the home and staying there. Imagine that. And, and I'm talking that, about dedicated video spaces. Yeah. Studios. That's one of those things that in talking with, with residential dealers uh, that, that, you know, right on the resi week, on the resi week side, mm -hmm. it's an opportunity. Right. And, and I think that that's going to lead to um, more resi commercial dealers. And what I mean by that is you're going to have AVISPL, you're going to have diversified, quite possibly going into people's homes. And that, that's, a, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. So. Hey, listen, we, we're, we talked about shows previously. I am one who believes that a bigger, a big populace of people that went to NAB were not just people from the networks anymore. YouTubers were going there looking for broadcast studio type equipment to bring home. Yep. YouTube has become a business. And in speaking to residential um, integrator, integrators, YouTube is a side hustle that has become a real hustle for people that are home and don't have anywhere else to go. If I'm going to work 12 hours a day, you know, these people are working their eight hour shifts and then working on their side hustle the rest of the night. And if that means building a, a YouTube kind of studio in their house, so be it. And they're not just going to do it, you know, with the free headset that comes with their phone anymore. Just want to point that out. All right. Last story here comes to us from our friends over at Commercial Integrator and Zach Kumo, uh, writing about how the AV systems that we are all putting in and put in last week 
have got to be used um, and leveraged when folks go back to work. Uh, talking about the ROI, the complete ROI. Um, Zach uh, quotes uh, McKinsey and Company and also quotes a couple of, of integrators here, one from SKC Communications, talking about the fact that digital interactions rose to 65% last year, uh, up from 41%, meaning that the, the digital connections between customers and clients uh, were being more and more virtual. Well, that's, yeah, that actually absolutely happened. But the other part of this is looking at the systems that folks are putting in and making sure that they can be used once, uh, once we all go back to work. Joe, we'll start with you on this. Um, Biamp has released a couple of things um, directly related to that. But yep. when, you're, when you're talking to your dealers um, and their clients, you know, what is it that the end user is looking for to make sure that the systems that they are putting in now today to be safe can also be used once the pandemic is over? Yeah. So, you know, this is a topic I'm, I'm glad this one came up because this one I'm is near and dear to my heart. And it's something I've cared about for a long time, right? Is, is that, you know, for the AV industry to really, really, really blossom to what it can be, it needed to always move out of a craft kind of a, uh, of a discipline into something that can be mass deployed. And some of the interest to put together really, really customized spaces always stood in the way of that because it took a lot of unique uh, tuning to those systems. And what I love about what's going on right now, what the pandemic is bringing or forcing everybody is to adopt this digital technology on a widespread basis through all disciplines, all levels of a company, in all, all realms of activity. It's essentially become a daily occurrence for everybody. And so I, I, I find it a little interesting the way that article is positioned about how do you convince people to use it. It is, I really think the real challenge for companies is how do you address the fact that the expectation is now going to be that this ought to be everywhere? This is an this has got to be in every conference room, every personal office. In fact, needs to have, to Chris's point, good quality equipment so that you can conduct a competent remote work session without hindrance and complexity, and you don't have an AV tech coming in to show you how to use it. So it's got to be easy to work with. It's got to perform well. And it's got to be within the budget uh, spaces for everybody to go and use. So I'm uh, I'm very very optimistic that the real phenomenon we're going to see is is it's a real burst in the deployment of these systems, but they're really going to be focusing on these ones that are real real easy to replicate. Uh, that again address the fact that users aren't all going to be highly trained and they have no interest in becoming AV technicians. And so this stuff better just do the right thing. So, you know, to answer your question directly, what are people looking for? Equipment that gets the job done every time, every day, doesn't distract me from my real job, doesn't become a second job for me. It's, it's just there to, to really assist me and uh, performs really well. And um, I, I think that's kind of the new challenge that's laid at the doorstep. It's been there for a long time. The AV industry just has not done the best it could to, to really take it up. I don't think that's going to be allowed anymore. All right, Mr. Neto, uh, the customers that you talk to with, with your dealers, as well as, as those end users, what are, what are they looking for? And, and this can go either in the home, but also, you know, at, you know at, at the office too. Well, I mean, I don't know if a year being at home is going to have the end user coming home, coming back to, to the office and says, you know, I want XYZ branded type of equipment. They just want to have the same experience that they had with ease of use at home, right? 
there are probably restrictions and, and corporate restrictions that have kind of been lifted over what they can use at home, right? Because in the middle of all, all this, there was a shortage of cameras. There was a shortage of microphones. There was a shortage of everything. You, if it was electronic, it was a hard thing to get a hold of. And God, people were paying a lot of money for old technology that was left out on eBay. And people were scrounging and finding all sorts of weird cameras to put up there for sale. But one thing that has come out of there is the idea that I can do a Zoom call and I know how to run a Zoom call. I think you're going to have educated users going back confident that they can add people on a Zoom call while they're in a Zoom call, do not have to call a help desk. I think that people are going to be better educated on their Microsoft Teams applications because you've lived with it for a year. I think the core of that is surrounded on that ease of use, right? Now, when it comes to the quality that they had at home, uh, I think they would be uh, ecstatic to walk into a conference room and not have, you know, to speak in, you know, to somebody on a video conference wearing a headset because that's what they've been used to, but maybe some sort of, you know, now you can walk into a space and the popularity of things uh, from an integrator perspective, you're going to see more wide angle lens cameras or EPTZ or uh, auto framing cameras used in spaces so that they get that kind of personal shot. It's not going to be a big open room anymore. Uh, and you're also going to see more and more the use of the beamforming microphones so that people don't have to worry about where they're speaking to or who they're speaking to. It's all being picked up. It goes to Joe's point. It's going to be a lot easier. It's going to be a lot cleaner. Uh, and I think that you can't tell somebody that they can't do it. 10 years ago, there was a premium on bandwidth at corporations. You couldn't call into a call. The expectation was you went to the auditorium, at least in corporations I worked at. If there was a big town hall meeting, you were expected to physically be there because if everybody logged in, the internet would be kind of like the whole Death Star thing with the, with the handle being pulled down and you sort of, everything would just kind of go down and shut down for a while. Now, different story, different, different strokes for different folks. People are accepting of this. You can take a call on your phone if that's what you want to do or you can do it at your desk. So I think culture has a lot to do with it uh, and the impact that the home office experience did. But I'm talking, you know, I'm thinking everybody had a kind of a good experience that they got to walk into their office with a cup of coffee and put on a headset and everything was kind of good. There's going to be that transition phase. Let's see if that, if that quality, if that quality of life is going to transfer over to the business. All right. Rachel, um, I'll bring you on this because you are the end user. Uh, what are you looking for when, when it comes to making sure that, that these systems can be, can be used, you know, when, you know, COVID is over and when the pandemic, you know, lifts? Yeah, no, well, this actually, I really liked this article and I found it really inspiring. Um, and what it was, was the bring your own meeting aspect. And yeah. just the idea of, it really just took me on a user journey. And I imagine this beautiful scene where a dance teacher just walked into the, into the empty classroom uh, dance studio and linked up whatever it is they like, their laptop, their phone to the room and it came alive and they ran it the way that they needed to. And the children on the other end enjoyed the dance class. So 
that's where I want life to be able to go. And so I was very inspired by what I read in that article. So that that's kind of where I am right now is I'm still going through it um, as kind of a fantasy, but I think that we'll get there. And I think that it's great that it's out there and that the industry is motivated to try to deliver that kind of experience because it could be really interesting to see the different pieces of kit that come together to make that really easy um, because I think that's what people are going to want. All right, very good. That'll be a good place to stop. Thank you all so much. Mr. Joe Andrewlis, thank you, sir. Uh, how do people connect with you or Biamp? Uh, you can reach me at uh, jandrewlis at biamp.com, which I'm happy to always take all connections. Uh, Biamp, of course, is available at biamp.com as well as all social media channels. All right, very good. Mr. Neto, thank you, sir. Hey, thank you. How do people connect with you or Starin? Starin can be found at starin.biz. That's the website. You can find me on uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Twitter, probably the easiest, Chris underscore Neto. You can find Starin there at Starin underscore MKG. That's where we are. That's where we are. And thank you, sir, for having. And uh, if for anybody who is listening, I'm going to continue to say this. Tim is going to tell you, do not follow him. So I will preempt this strike and say, follow Tim because Tim has some interesting stuff that's kind of taking place over the last couple of weeks. So please reach out and follow Tim. Thank you, sir. And don't, yeah. Rachel, save me. Uh, how do people get in touch with you if they want? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at rharrispro. So that's probably the best place to, okay, you can follow me there. If you actually want to like talk to me, go to LinkedIn. And that's something like a slash R. Harris production. Yeah. Um, the other th place I will tell you to go is go to our website and watch her interview because, oh my gosh, she's fantastic. Um, yeah. We, we, uh, we got to do an interview with, with Rachel uh, during Black History Month. Uh, and so we'll, that is on our website. Um, Mitchell put a link to hers because I don't know where it is exactly. I have no idea what he labeled it. So, uh, so it's a, it's an aviation special. So you can check that out. Uh, Chris is right. Don't follow me on the Twitters. Um, but do go by the website, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. Uh, you'll find this program and a host of others, including our other weekly, uh, which is, um, Resi week. Matt Scott looks at the residential, uh, market. Uh, we also have a bunch of monthlies. Um, and Chris uh, mentioned, um, some news that we had, uh, we did a special on this, but I'll say it here. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to end uh, in the future, but uh, we were purchased uh, by Conference Technologies out of St. Louis. Very incredibly happy about that. Um, it, it's going to allow us to do some really, really wicked cool things. Uh, it really is. Uh, the most common question I've gotten in the last week is how are you going to maintain your, um, your objectivity the same way that we have for the last 10 years? Uh, we've had sponsors, Biamp has been one of those sponsors over the years. They are not currently. Otherwise, I would have said it when I introduced Joe. Uh, same thing here. Uh, if we happen to do a story about conference technologies, I'll say, hey, y'all, we're owned by CTI. Okay, now here's the story, right? Uh, this is no different than the fact that Comcast owns NBC News and Universal. When NBC News does a story about Universal or Comcast or anything else that they own, they say, hey, guys, this is who owns us. Now here's the story, right? Same thing. It, it's just transparency and it's being honest with folks. And that's, that's what I enjoy about what we do. Uh, incredibly happy uh, to join that team. Um, it's, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind. Um, 
I love Laughlin. I love John Laughlin, the, the owner. He's an incredible guy, a brilliant mind. And, and I've been friends with him for a long time and a lot of their folks. So incredibly happy to bring our team over to theirs and, and see some, see some wicked magic that we can, we can do together. So, but still go by our website because it's still there and it'll still be there. So avianation.tv, that's avianation.tv. Uh, do check out our sponsors. Um, and if you're an end user, um, hit me up because we've got some really cool things coming for you too. So all that and more at avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.